the book of Ephesians. This is our, our church-wide study, which we'll wrap up uh, prayerfully on May the 17th, uh, that Wednesday, but we'll continue to unpack this on Sunday morning because we're taking a deep dive into the book of Ephesians because I want you to get this. God wants all of us to get this, the, the, the truths that are magnified in this particular book that is written by whom? The Apostle Paul. And he writes it to the church at Ephesus, the saints at Ephesus. And this, this book is a very, very uh, uh, powerful book from the standpoint of understanding the doctrinal truths that we need to know in order to live out our faith in our everyday life, right? We've, been, we've entitled this fourth chapter, Walk It Out, because that's what we got to do. We got to walk it out. We got to let this stuff be seen in our everyday existence. It should not be a surprise for your coworkers to know that you are a member of this church and you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It should not be a surprise for your family members that you pray. Right? See, some of the stuff that we talk about here sometimes does not get to our everyday living. So, so with, with Paul begins to get into the second part of this book and begins to talk about how we walk this stuff out. So we're going to pick up our reading, uh, if you will, uh, at, uh, at verse number four. Let's start. Well, now, we'll start at verse number one. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for, uh, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. All of us have faults, right? And if you live with anybody for, for, for just a second, you, you'll figure out very soon that they have faults and you have them too. And he says, make allowances for their faults. In other words, those mess ups, those, those mishaps, this is not making allowances for practicing sin. Right. We know from Scripture that Bob, the Bible teaches that that sin levels the whole le- lump. So this, this, this does not mean that open known sin should be allowed to fester because uh, what he says here. He's talking about when we mess up and we all mess up along the way. The text said this. Uh, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. One glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is, that is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that he said he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world and the same one who descended is the one who descended higher than all the heavens so that he might fulfill the entire universe. So he might fill the entire universe with himself. We're going to stop our reading right there. OK. Now we begin and I gave you on last week some uh, some commands from the scripture where it tells us how to walk in certain areas of our life. And as we look down uh, and you look at your outline, we, we begin to p- unpack and talk about the walk of the Christian believer. And the first point we want to bring out is is the believer is to walk worthy of his calling. Everybody say, I should walk worthy of my calling. Did you not know that you have a calling on your life? Let me see the hands of everybody in here who made a profession of a faith and said that I am a born again believer. Can I see your hands? All right. So if you're a born again believer, you have a calling on your life. Are you listening to me? Every last one of us in here have a ministry calling. We have giftings. All of us have been called to the ministry of reconciliation, which means that God wants to. God chose to use you and I, you and I to reach those who are lost. He chose to use human beings to preach the gospel message to those who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. So every last one of us have the ministry of reconciliation. So to walk the way to walk worthy, uh, it's, he begins to unpack some of these things here in this fourth chapter. And, and, and the first thing is we got to walk with lowliness or walk with humility. Everybody say humility. If you will, go with me to Philippians chapter number two. And we're going to look at verse number three. Philippians chapter number two. 
in verse number three. How many of y'all have ran across some arrogant Christians? How many of you, before you got really into the word and started growing, were a little bit arrogant? Well, don't raise your hand. I don't want, I want to embarrass that. You know, it sometimes boggles my mind when I see believers who think of themselves more highly than they ought to. Now, all of us should, should, should have pride in who God has made us to be. I mean, I'm talking about a, a, a God-honoring type pride. In other words, be proud that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Be proud that you're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath because of who you are in Christ Jesus. Be proud of the fact that God saved you, delivered you, set you free. But don't ever get to the point in your walk with God where you think because you're a member of a certain church or because you have a certain position or you have a certain title that you are better or more than somebody else. Can the church say amen? amen? But I've seen Christians who I've even seen pastors who may look down on a pastor who's, who's shepherding uh, 35 members in the country and he has 3,000 in the city. And he begins to think that because I'm shepherding 3,000 in the city, that I'm a little bit better and more and God has, has graced me more than the one who's pastoring 3,000, not 3,500, in the country. Are y'all with me? We've got to get away from this comparison thing and we've got to make sure that the, that the sin of pride does not rise its ugly head in the church. And it will if you're not careful. Are y'all tracking with me today? But watch what the text says here. Paul writes, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Doing what? Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Can we read it out loud again on purpose? It says what? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. How many of y'all in your Christian walk have found yourself trying to impress people in the church? Trying to impress spiritual leaders or whoever. Guys, let me tell you something. We've been called to walk this word out in our everyday lives. And we got we to make sure that we stay focused on pleasing God and not trying to impress others. I promise you, as your spiritual leader, if you will make a, a, a conscious commitment to do the word of God and to, and to follow God's lead, uh, then, then you don't have to worry about me. Listen, I'm not one to impress. I'm just a shepherd here to give you God's word. We are all living to please Christ. Are y'all with me today? Now go with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And we're going to look at verses 14. And then we'll look at verses 22 through 26. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And we'll look at verse 14. And then we'll skip down to verse number 22. Are y'all still tracking with me today? If we're going to walk this stuff out. If we're going to be. Disciple believers who consistently walk in the what? And have kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and the community at large. If we're going to reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ, we must walk it out. Everybody say walk it out. Look at what Paul says here as he writes to young Timothy. Ready to read. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop doing what? Stop fighting over words. Such arguments are what? Useless. And they can ruin those who hear them. Let's keep moving. Next verse. Work hard so you can present yourself to God. And receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Jump down to verse number 22. Run from anything that stimulates useful lust. Now, what does it mean to run? It means to run. It literally means to run. It means to get away from it. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Now, watch this. When he talks about useful lust, uh, this is leaning toward, he's talking about uh, those, this, the pull of sexuality. Because every person who's, a born, who's born into this world has, uh, 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 um, every person that's born into this world has uh, um, 
every person who's born in this world, at some point in time, you reach the age where you're where you you go to something that's called puberty, and your body begins to change. Right? When you were in kindergarten, when you were in first grade, girls were icky. Girls had the cooties, and you didn't t- you didn't play with girls on the playground. But when you start 2012, 13 and 14, it starts to change. You begin to look at them. Boys were, Ugh. you didn't talk to them. As a matter of fact, you, when you were a young girl in third grade, you would beat them up. But things begin to change when you're 15, 16 years of age, right? It starts to change because that's, that's the natural order of sexual attraction. That's the natural order of, of, of the, uh, the, the uh, pubescent stage, if you will, that all of us go through. Right? Girl's body begins to change. Young man's voice, he was talking like this. Now he's talking like this. As you go through this process. So, so but one thing that does begin to take place is young, young, young men begin to have, uh, uh, and along with young ladies, but, but even more so young men, useful lust. They begin to, uh, um, their body even begins to naturally, even while they're sleeping, will produce an ejaculation. Can I, can I talk biology with all of us in here? All right. And it begins to take place because that body is changing. So it says run from anything that stimulates youthful us. All right. So, so the question I would ask if I'm reading this text, what are some things that will stimulate youthful us so I can stay away from it? Pornography. Or even movies that are R-rated that had a bunch of sex scenes in them. Right? Uh, uh, staring at young ladies who may be dressed provocatively. Can I say that? And, and young ladies, you've got you to be careful on how you dress. The Bible says dress in moderation. Doesn't mean you got to wear a, a skirt down to your, to your ankles and you have to be old fogey. But, but some stuff you just ought not to be... Because it begins to, listen, that man may be Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, speaking in other tongues, but there is something about the female. Come on, Dr. O. There is something, something about the female that, that if, 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 that, if that man eyes sees it, that's going to be a look. And what we got to do is learn how to bounce our eyes. You know what it means to bounce your eyes, brother? Okay, one look is okay. Because you can't help what you saw that ran in front of you. But when you go into two, three, and four, you've entered into useful us. So sisters, I beg of you. Sisters, I implore you. When you come to the house of worship, I'm not saying dress like you did in 1965. But don't make it even tougher on the brother. Can I be honest with you? Now, see, some of y'all aren't used to going to churches who talk like this. But this this kind of stuff is going on in churches. Right? So, 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 so listen to me carefully. I'm just saying that the, it, it says run away from anything that stimulates you. For, I don't want to come to church and, and then we start service and then brothers start leaving. And they say, Pastor, you said run from useful us. And that woman right in front of me just... And the way she prays the Lord, I lift my hand in the sanctuary, my hand to give him the glory. I lift my hand. Some of y'all got to stop. All right, all right. So run, run from anything that stimulates useful us. Again, listen, listen to what I'm saying. I am not saying that, 
that that you control how some you know, ladies, I'm not saying that you control how some man responds because some men need to get their minds right. And you lust, sometimes lust is in there because you hadn't been delivered from some stuff that you were inbound by when you were even coming up as a younger person. But run from anything that stimulates you for lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with what? With what? With pure hearts. Let's keep moving. Next verse. It says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Please, please, born again believer, stop arguing with unsaved people in your family who don't know Jesus and trying to tell you about Jesus that they don't even know anything about. Or let me say born again believers who are still spiritual babies. You're sitting around arguing with them and fussing and can't enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner because you got all caught up. You mad. You're trying to bring your Bible out. They don't know anything about the Bible. And you can show them every scripture you want because they, but because their minds have not been changed, they have been not been regenerated. They're not going to understand what the Bible says, and they don't believe it. Again, I say don't get don't get involved with this is Paul. I don't don't get involved with foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Next verse, let's go. It says this: A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with. Here we go. We're difficult people. All of us, if we live long enough and if we're around enough people, are going to engage with difficult people. But what does Paul say here? Be patient with difficult people. Because some of y'all, if you're honest about it, if we knew your history, you were difficult at one time. But thank God you're saved now. Fear with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Walking in humility and, and the peace of God. And so, 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 so you're better now. See, sometimes... We, we don't know where you've been on this journey. So, so if you run into a difficult person, don't throw them away. He says, be patient with them. That's, that's, that, that's a word for somebody. You can go home now. That's the rest. You don't need to listen to the rest of the message. <laughs> be patient with difficult people. Next verse. Let's go 25 and 26. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Gently instruct those who oppose you. Now, some of y'all in here have opposed the truth that came from the pulpit. And I've showed you the Bible, but, but some of y'all have come around because, because I'm not going to throw you away because in your lack of knowledge, you were difficult. Right? Gently instruct those who oppose truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Next verse says this. Then they will come to their senses. Glory to God and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Now he's talking to the church here, talking to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, his protege in the ministry. All right. So the way to walk worthy is number one, we got to walk in humility. Everybody say humility. Second thing we got to do is got to walk with meekness. Everybody say meekness. Meekness means that it's power under control, but meekness also means I, I have a teachable attitude. I'm teachable. A meek person is not a doormat or a weak person, but someone who has a teachable spirit. Now, I will submit to you that everybody in the church don't have a teachable spirit. Some people are teachable as long as what you're saying agrees with what they think. But I would challenge all of us to make sure that we delve into the scripture, rely on the Holy Spirit to bring revelation knowledge and be able to rightly divide the word of truth. If you can rightly divide the word of truth, you also can wrongly divide the word of truth. But meek people are, they have a teachable spirit. They don't think they know it all. Okay? Number, number, the, the third thing is, is if we're going to walk words, we've got to uh, uh, walk with long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering. Long-suffering here in our text in, in, in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, means patience. It's the same word translated patience in Hebrews 6 and 12, where it is stated that we are to be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So long suffering means what? Patience. How many of you sometimes struggle with patience, being patient? Anybody in the house? Struggle with being patient. In other words, you, 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 God says, I promise it to you, but you're waiting on the promise to come through. But you get a little antsy because you haven't seen it come through. In the time period you thought it all to come through. The thing I've learned in life is that God's timing is impeccable. Everybody say impeccable. Yeah. God's timing is always right. 
even oftentimes my timing and God's timing differ because there are some things I would have done and I haven't sometimes jumped ahead of God and did things before God's timing and it messed up. But when I learned to wait on the Lord and be patient, it works out the way he would desire to work out where he could get to grow. So we got to do we got to we got to walk with to walk worthy. We got to have long suffering. We got to have patience. Number one, we got to walk with the next time we got to walk with love. You can be teachable and patient and yet stand your ground with other believers. But you always should do it with an attitude of love. Everybody say love. In this church, I don't want to see anybody doing anything and don't have a spirit of love. If you can't do it in love, sit yourself down. Are you with me? Now, love means that I, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm not going to be uh, uh, brash and arrogant. I'm not going to be argumentative. Can I come to this side? I want to see the hands of y'all that are argumentative in this church. This brother raised his hand. I got one. Mac raised his hand. Some of y'all are being honest, right? You're argumentative. In other words, if there was a stop sign out there on the end of the road, you would argue with it. You don't mean stop. You mean go. An argumentative spirit can be detrimental to the work of a ministry because you run people off. And people, there are some people who will tell you you're argumentative and there are other people who just stop working with you. And all of a sudden, we, we wonder, why, what happened to all the, the, the service? Well, and no, nobody won't say anything. What happened? How did everything go? Well, you know, all right, Pastor. What, 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 so tell me, how can we improve it? Well, you know, I just, it just, you know, just it, it was okay, Pastor. No, be honest. Be honest with me. Whenever I ask a question of anybody, when we do a look back meeting or we, we look back on, on VBS, we look back on our, uh, uh, we did our, our, let's see, our church anniversary deal we did a couple years ago. We had a look back meeting to see what went well and what didn't go so well. Are you with me? And so we made some changes and some correction to make it a little bit better the next year. And we're going to look back again and make some changes and make it better the next year. But if you if, if you get your feelings hurt because we're trying to improve it, that means you got some growing to do. Right. 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 But because you get into your feelings don't mean that I'm going to stop speaking the truth in love because as your pastor, I got to do that. Right. But what happens is. If you got a person with an argumentative spirit, then they'll run people away. And you'll be sitting around wondering, why is it that nobody wants to work in that area? Or why is it nobody wants to come to this thing? Well, the person that's, that's there is, is, is radiating such negativity that it causes others to scatter. And some people are not strong enough in their faith yet to say, brother or sister, you've been serving all this time. Shouldn't you be? Fr- why are you talking that way? Why are you being negative? Now, I'm going to tell you. Did y'all hear me? I'm going to tell you. We got people who will tell you in love, your attitude is stinky. I know you're saved. If you die today, you're going to heaven. But we got to do something about how you approach people. Because you run people away rather than attract them. Do you not realize that Jesus attracted the crowds? People want to have dinner with Jesus if nobody wants to have dinner with you, ask yourself the question, why is that? <laughs> Maybe it's because you have a negative argumentative attitude. So, but, but, but if, we, if, we, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to walk worthy, we've got to walk with love. Again, you can be teachable and patient and yet stand your ground with other believers, but you always should do it in attitude of love. As I, as I read what the psalmist David wrote in Psalms 1 and 3 about a righteous person, I envision someone who is immovable in love. Let's go to Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3 right quick. And, and Brother Jay, let's read from the KJV, Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. So love has to be the prevailing attitude in any church that's going to be effective in discipling believers Gathering servants and authentic community and living this life in such a way that we advance kingdom agenda. Right. 
So as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're we're called to sharpen one another. So if you are part of a group and you have somebody in your group gossiping about somebody else in the church, then if you are mature, you should say, listen, if you have an issue with that person, pastor taught us what Matthew 18 and 15 said, you need to go to a one on one. Here you are over here pausing in the environment of the church, talking about everybody, being negative, And then now people don't want to serve because you are negative. And if you're really going to be honest about this thing, you need to go to him one on one. Like Matthew said, Jesus said, go to him. If there's all between you and your brother, go to him. What? One on one. Tell him to fall between he and you alone rather than telling everybody else. Be biblical. Look at neighbor. neighbor. Are you willing to be biblical? All right. So in some things we need to call out. Let me say this. If you've been in this ministry over 10 years, you ought to know better. You say, but pastor, sounds like you're a little edgy this morning. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm trying to convince you that it's imperative that we walk this stuff out. It's time out for learning about it, studying about it, pontificating about it. But if it's not showing up in how we treat people, what good does it do? And if, if five people tell you the same thing, it's probably true. So quit arguing with the folks who are telling you the truth about yourself and, and look at yourself and examine yourself. Boy, I tell you something, some of the toughest conversations I have with Sister Maria is when she tells me what she see in me. And can't nobody tell you, like the person who lives with you, what's really in you and what they see. But I thank God for her for telling me what she sees and, and, and me Look at it and says, okay, let, let me, instead of me defending myself, let me see if what she's saying is actually in me. And let me, let me, let me do some self-evaluation. Okay. Now, how many of y'all are married and you have a partner or not partner, a wife or a husband who tells you what they see? Or how many of y'all spouses are scared to tell you? When I say that y'all laugh about that, but there are some married couples who are sitting up that you can't tell your spouse what you see. And that is an unhealthy relationship. Everybody say unhealthy. unhealthy. <laughs> it's unhealthy, oh, if you can't say or tell Sean, Sean, that attitude that you got in caring is not God honoring. We didn't learn that in the book of Ephesians. So, Sean, let's pray through this thing because the way you came at me was not God honoring. I love you, but I got to tell you the truth. Some of y'all are sitting here right now and you know for a fact that you can't speak truthfully to your spouse because y'all going to argue for five weeks. And y'all are supposed to be saved. One thing I know, if I don't know anything else, this woman over here is going to support me, have my best interest at heart, even when what she tells me hurts. Because none of us like to be told that we off a little bit. When I say off, I don't mean off like, in the, you know what I mean? I mean off like that I'm off course. Okay? So, so can we help each other? Are we willing to help each other? Are we going to be our brothers and sisters keepers? That's why some of y'all don't like authentic community. You don't want to be too close to anybody because when they get too close to you, they see you. Then now you don't want anybody to tell you about you. I'm here to tell you that we've been called to speak the truth in love, right? All right, let's read. Everybody ready? Psalms 1, let's go. It says what? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But what? His delight is what? In the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he do what? Meditate day and night. He has a consistent time of meditation in the law of God, on the word of God. Next verse says this, watch this. And he shall be like a what? Tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And whatsoever he doeth, no, no, I missed it. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not what? Wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. These trees they talk about here a tree that's planted by the river strongest because they are always they always have a constant source of water. 
They also outlive other trees because they have no fear of drought. A strong tree bends in the wind, but it's never uprooted. And see, when you have your, 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 if your faith is, is rooted in the gospel message, if your faith is solidly planted on the foundation of God's word, storms may come, winds may bend you, they may lean you over, but you're not going to break. Because you're standing on the word of God, which is true. It's, found, it's the foundation by which we live our lives. Amen. So, 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 so we got to walk with love. The purpose for walking worthy, guys, let's get back to our life. The purpose of walking worthy is to keep the unity, to keep the peace. Go back to Ephesians 4, verse 3 with me right quick. The purpose for walking worthy is to keep the unity, to keep the peace. We've been called as a body of believers to walk in unity. The purpose for walking worthy is to keep the unity, to keep the peace. Unity was one of the most up was one of, was one of the utmost important things to Jesus Christ. Go with me to John the thirteenth chapter, and let's look at verse number thirty three through thirty five. Saint John chapter thirteen, and let's look at verses thirty three through thirty five. Are y'all still with me today? Ever say walk it out? John thirteen, and we're gonna look at verse number thirty three. Says, dear children. I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will do what? Prove to the world that you are my disciples. I need you all to read that again. Says what? Your love for one another will do what? Now, who is the world? The world is society at large, the unsaved populace. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my. I thought coming to church will prove that you're his disciple. I thought helping the homeless will prove that you're his disciple. I thought feeding the poor would help prove that you're his disciple. All those things are needful, but none of those prove that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. He says your love for one another will prove to the world that you are what? My disciple. Let's go to John 17 chapter. Y'all notice in verse number 13. Let's start at John 17, verse number 13. Come on. Now, now listen, guys. This, 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 is, this is the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel message is through Christ's sacrifice, he brings us together as one. And regardless of where we are, where we are, at whatever state in life, whatever ethnicity we are, we come together as one and we walk in that unity. And when the world sees that unity, they know that we are Christ followers. And when they don't see it, they don't know. The world doesn't know. Look at this text. It says, now I'm coming to you. I told you many things. While I was with them, with, now back up. This is Jesus praying to God the Father prior to his crucifixion. His time of offering himself up as a sacrifice is getting close. So now he's praying to God the Father. God the Son praying to God the Father. Let's keep moving. He says, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them. Because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your what? Truth. Teach them your word, which is what? So how, based on this verse, are we going to be made holy? Look at it. Come on. Come on. We got to do this kind of deductive reasoning when we read the scripture. Jesus told the father, God, the father, make them. Who is them? Who is them? Us. His followers, his disciples. Make them. Are y'all awake this morning? Okay. All right. Make them holy by your what? Truth. Teach them your word, which is true. So how are we going to be made holy? By the word. Give yourself a hand. 
That's the way we got to start unpacking. Don't just read through it. Make them, who is them? Us, disciples. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is what? True. So if I have no word time, I'm not going to be able to walk in holiness. Because this says we're going to be made holy, what? By the word, by the truth of the word. The word is truth. Keep going, guys. Next verse. Just as you sent me into this world, into the world, I am sending them into the world. Verse 19. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by how? So how are we going to be made holy? What is the truth? The word. So if you have no word, then you have no truth. If you have no truth, you have no holiness. Oh, my goodness. So now you're sitting here thinking that by coming here on Sunday, listen to me, I thank God that you come. But that, that cannot be the totality of your interface with God. You got to have some time with the word yourself. And you got to you got to make a commitment to say, hey, listen, I'm going to be a part of my church's discipleship training program. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop skipping to sign up. Hello. You got to stop saying, well, that ain't for me. It is for you. It got quiet here, didn't it, right? I'm going to tell you the truth. If you say the Holy Spirit, I didn't say the Holy Spirit let you. You said the Holy Spirit let you be a part of this church. So if the Holy Ghost led you to be a part of this ministry, and part of our discipleship training is to get you up to speed on knowing the truth so that you can walk in holiness and not in carnality. You know what hinders the ministry work of the church quite often? It's when people who say they're saved are out there living carnally. You're not, we're, not, we're not walking this stuff out. So it says, and I, give, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. You told me the truth is God's word, right? So if I have no word, I have no truth. And if I have no truth, I'm not walking in holiness. Can we, can we intelligently deduct that from that passage? Absolutely. Okay. Keep reading. Next verse says what? Verse number 20 says what? I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones that are right there with him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You're saved. You're here because somebody told somebody who told somebody who told somebody. And it started with the original disciples who told somebody and they told somebody and somebody told you and now you're saved. Right now, Jesus here in this passage is praying for us. He says, for also for all who ever believe in me through their message, I pray that they will all be what? One. Come on. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in so that the world will do what? That the world will believe you sent me. Here he is again saying the unity of the believers is the thing that will that will that will solidify in the minds of those in the world that Jesus is real and he's legit. Right. Verse 22. Come on. 22 and 23. I'm finished with this. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are. What? Who is them? Who is them? Anybody who names the name of Christ, who's a born again believer, disciples of Christ. Okay. Verse 23. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such what? Perfect unity that the world will what? Know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So the perfect unity that's displayed from Christ's followers will be an indicator to the world. That God loved that first of all, God sent Jesus and that God loves them just as much as he loves his son. Wow. The unity of belief. So, 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 so here's what some people say. But my pastor, you know, you've been talking about this for a long time and can't we move on to something else? Just preach the gospel. I am. <laughs> That's what the gospel is, knucklehead. It is. Through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that God's mysterious plan that was hidden in the Old Testament, revealed in the New Testament, it encapsulates the unity of the believers. Here's what some of y'all say. Well, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about that because people, people going to do what they want to do and it ain't going to never happen. Oh, so, so God told us to do something that can't be done. 
We serve an unjust God then. The problem is, is that you got to do your part. Quit worrying about everybody else and you do what you got to do to ensure the unity of the believers. Quit looking at Lou. Quit looking at uh, 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 Carl. Look at your own self and say, what can I do to be that disciple who helps to unify? All right. So, so, all right. So we get back to our line. There are seven, seven basic spiritual realities that unite all truth, 4 through 6 in Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians 4, verse, verse uh, 4 through 6. Let's read it right quick. I want you to see this, and we're going to move. We're going to move. Ephesians 4, verse 4 through 6. Again, we're taking a deep dive in this. Because I don't want you to miss this. Because if, if my thinking is not right, my actions are not going to be right. If I can't get my theological construct down solidly to where it, it guides my actions, then I'm not going to be as useful to the kingdom as I could be. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, I, I, I want us to be a church that's useful to the advancement of the kingdom of general God. Amen. All right. Watch, watch it. For there is what? One body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all in all and living through all. All right. Now watch this. So seven basic spiritual realities that, that unite all true Christians. Number one is one body. This is the body of Christ in which the believer is a member. We place there at conversion by the spirit of God. Historically speaking, guys. We understand that God called Abraham in Genesis, the 12th chapter, verse one through three. He called Abraham in response to what happened in chapters three through 11 in Genesis. Okay, God's creation project was actually thrown off course due to Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. Due to their rebellion, God's creation project was thrown off course. And wherever there is. Uh, 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 we have rebellion against God whenever there is hostility toward God rebellion toward the creator God the creation will be hostile toward each other and when sin entered the earth realm you had a brother killing his brother Cain killed who? Is that right, brother? Oh, Cain killed Abel. All right, all right. So, so, so when we look at this thing, so because of, of, of the disruption and rebellion against God, sin in the earth realm, and so God already had a plan in place before the foundation of the world to redeem us back. Are y'all with me today? But whenever you find hostility toward God, the creator, the creation will be hostile toward each other. They will raise up arms to enslave each other, to oppress each other, to sexualize each other, and to kill their fellow image bearers. Death invaded life, so God called Abraham, and through his seed, death would be defeated on the cross, and through the resurrection, new life would begin. The call of Abraham launched God's serious plan of redemption to get his creation project back on track. The unity of the believers, amen? The unity of those who follow God. God's redemptive purpose culminated and was fulfilled in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So, so, so one body, all of us are in one body. That's the body of whom? Christ. Number two, one spirit, the same Holy Spirit indwells each believer so that we belong to each other in the Lord. There are plenty of references to the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians. Why? Because without his help, we can't effectively live this Christian life. It's the Holy Spirit that enlightens us. It's the Holy Spirit that holds us, that keeps us. It's the Holy Spirit that secures us. Until the day of redemption. So we got one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Without his help, we can't live this Christian life. Quit trying to do it in your own strength. Quit trying to do it in your own willpower. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Next thing we have one hope of your calling, it says. And this refers to the return of the Lord to take his church to heaven. The Holy Spirit within is the assurance of this great promise. Go back to Ephesians chapter number one with me right quick. Ephesians one. And let's take a look at, uh, start at verse number three. Ephesians 1, verse three. Are you still with me? Everybody say, walk it out. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor. We got to walk it out. Thank you, thank you. I won't actually look at him again, okay? All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Before he ever made the world. Okay, God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Verse number nine. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will. He's revealed to us his mystery. What's the mystery again? A mystery is anything that is kept secret or remains unexplained or unknown. Or it also says it's a mystery is any truth that is unknowable except by divine revelation. This truth was unknowable except by divine revelation. The apostle Paul was given the divine revelation to take the ministry of reconciliation to the Gentiles to every other ethnic group besides Jews to let them know that God's grace is for you also. He's going to bring all of us together into what? One body. Watch this. Skip down with me. Verse number 11 says, furthermore, oh no, verse 10, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of whom? Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. So what we do as the church should all fall under the authority of Christ. And when we learn how to let Christ, who is the word, because John 1 and 1 says what? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. So Christ and the word are one. Whose authority are you walking under today? Are you allowing the word of God to dictate and determine how you do marriage? Are you allowing the word of God to dictate and determine how you handle your finances? Are you allowing the word of God to dictate and determine how you treat people? Are you allowing the word of God to dictate and determine how you perform in your place of employment? What's governing your actions? What principle guides your conversation? What principle, amen, uh, uh, moves you in one direction or the other. It should be the authority of God's word. Watch this. Uh, it, says, it says, and this is the plan, at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we are receiving an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to what? His plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The spirit is God's guarantee. Watch this. The spirit is God's guarantee that he will guarantee us, he promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and do what? And glorify him. So we have back up one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, which means that the one hope of your calling refers to the return of the Lord to take his church to heaven. When we have that hope in us, the Bible says we'll purify ourselves. When you think that Jesus Christ is coming back at any moment, you'll purify yourself. You'll stop cussing. You'll stop doing some other stuff because you think Jesus Christ is coming at any time. The hope in you should purify you. Can I get a witness? We'll purify ourselves. One Lord, this is our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, lives for us, and one day will come for us. It's difficult to believe for me that two believers can claim to obey the same Lord and yet, yet not be able to walk together in unity. We may not agree on everything, and there's some, there's some things, but there, there's some basic concept of the Christian faith that we all should believe and stand on. One one is, Jesus Christ is the way to God. Right? Now, you may do something a little different in your church than we do in our church, different administration, but what? The same Lord. One Lord, one faith. And then one what? One baptism and then one God and Father. See, 
Jude says we should earnestly contend for the faith. Amen. The faith which was once delivered to the saints, we should earnestly contend for that. And the early Christians recognized a body of basic doctrine that they taught, they guarded, and they committed to one another. Guys, we got to make sure that we understand that there is one Lord. There is one faith that we that should hold us together. Can I get a witness? We may differ in some aspects, but we should stand on the common ground that Christ Jesus is the way. One baptism. All of us have been baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Because the first Corinthians 12 tells us about one faith, by one spirit will be all baptized into the body of Christ. The moment I invite Christ into my heart to save me, the Holy Spirit takes me and plants me in the body. So now I am one in Christ. He's one baptism, one God and Father. Paul likes to emphasize God as the father, this passage, this book of Ephesians. So, guys, what am I saying in a nutshell? If we're going to walk worthy, we got to walk in humility. We got to walk with meekness. We got to walk with long suffering. We got to walk with love. Right. Those things should be a part of our spiritual genre. And and if we're going to if we're going to. uh, to, to understand how to walk worthy, we got to also understand those principles that, that unite us. We got one body, one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father. And we'll pick back up on next week and talk about the believer is to walk by using his gifts. So guys, let me tell you something. God is watching how we do this life. God is watching how you and I live out this word. He's watching whether or not we actually are walking it out. And what I would tell you is, is that for it to be walked out, we have to submit ourselves to the teaching of God's word. What does it mean to submit? That means that I yield my will to what I learned from the Holy Scriptures. You may have been used to doing something a certain way for 30 years, but once you learn what the word of God says, then now you're under obligation to do that. Because to him that knoweth to do good and do it not, the Bible says what? It is what? Sin. It becomes sin. So now, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, when you can't get along with people because of, they don't look like you, that's sin. When you can't get along with people who do look like you, that's what? Sin. As a believer, I got to stop getting, giving myself excuses for not being obedient to God's word. Everybody said, we got to walk it out. Every head, body, by close. Father, we thank you.